0: The following message is a presentation from Grace Baptist Church in Kettering, Ohio. 1 Timothy chapter number 4, 1 Timothy chapter number 4 tonight, and we are continuing in our study on uh, how to study the Bible and specifically inductive Bible study. And uh, if you say, oh, wow, uh, what's that all about? I believe we'll practice some of these things. It'll it'll enrich your study even this week. Uh, Each one of us need the Word of God this week, don't we? And so it means we have to dive into it. We can't leave it on the shelf. It has to be dived into. And so I trust that some of the things that we'll learn uh, will be a help tonight. Now, did every one of you get one of the, the cards, not just the, the folded? Um, you got one of these cards that says Inductive Bible Study. Miss Joan, can you wave yours there? Did everyone get one of these? Brother Tyler, would you mind running out to the, to the, uh, the center out there and grab those? And uh, we'll need those in a second. Get, get, a handful. All right, First Timothy chapter number four and verse number twelve. First Timothy four and verse number twelve. Let's uh, look at this tonight before we pray and just ask God's blessing on our time. It says, "Let no man despise thy youth." How many of you'd like to just join in with that? The youth. You know, I'm I'm still young. All right. <laughs> Let no man despise thy youth. Who's this being written to? Right, Timothy. But be thou an example of the believers in word, in conversation, in charity, in spirit, in faith, in purity. How many times have you uh, maybe met a believer and you felt like, well, they don't represent Christianity very well? Or maybe how many times would you say, I haven't always represented Christianity very well. And he's saying to him, uh, I'm right there with you, there are times I've not represented very well. He's saying, hey, no one should despise your youth. In contrast to this, don't, don't let that to be the case. In contrast, make sure that you are living a life that is exemplary. Make sure that you're living a life that is, a, is, is above reproach. And in every way, in word, in conversation, in your, in your speech, in your lifestyle, in the way you love, in your spirit, yeah, in your spirit in the very, that, you know, that, that, that unspoken, unseen part of you in your spirit, in your faith, in your purity, in the way that you conduct your life. Now notice, how long should this go on? Verse 13, till I come, give attendance to reading, to exhortation, to doctrine. Well, so how are you going to be exemplary? Well, till I come, give attendance, give attention to reading, to exhortation, to doctrine, to, to the exhorting with the scripture. There's a need to be exhorted with the scripture. Sometimes that doesn't make us feel good. But there's a need for the exhortation, for the encouragement, for this is what the Bible says, this is what doctrine being teaching. Now, he goes on, neglect not the gift that is in thee, which was given thee by prophecy with the laying on of hands of the presbytery. So don't neglect what, the gift that God has given specifically to him to, to shepherd and to uh, feed people. But then he says, now notice, Meditate upon these things give thyself wholly to them that thy profiting may appear to all take heed unto thyself and unto the doctrine continue in them continue in what the doctrine for in doing this thou shalt both say thyself and them that hear thee now what what was the key to Timothy's ministry it was going to be him getting into the word of god giving it attention till paul came but until till the end of time that Timothy would be giving attention to the Word of God. And notice what would happen. As he would give attention to the Word of God, his profiting would appear to all. It was going to save him, but his profiting was going to appear to all. And you know each one of us need that. Uh, The only way that you and I are going to be able to show to others Christian growth in word, in conversation, in charity, in spirit, in faith, in purity, the only way we're going to be able to show profit in those areas, growth in those areas is if we're in the word of God, if we're giving attendance to it. And that's what ultimately is going to rescue us from all sorts of issues in our lives, is the word of God. And so we have to jump into it, we have to dive into it, and God wants to speak to us through his word. God wants to speak to us through his word in the church. God wants to speak to us through his word... by other people taking the word and exactly what Hebrews 10 24 tells us considering one another and provoking unto love love into good works well what how does that happen through the word of God God wants to speak to us through his word by circumstances and also by the spirits leading he wants to use all those different ways to communicate the word to us but we must study it now what happens with the uh, the believers that were more noble than those that were in Thessalonica Do you remember who they were we mentioned it last week The Bereans, what did they do daily? They searched the scriptures to see whether these things be so. And so the the honest truth is you and I cannot just sit and listen or hear it from others, but we have to search the scriptures and see whether these things are so. We need to get into the word of God. And we need not be content to hear from someone else, but allowing others, uh, allowing the word of God to be something we experience firsthand, allowing God to open up our understanding. As uh, Psalm 119 says, Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path, allowing God to be personally giving us that, um, that lamp and that light. He says in Psalm 32 and verse 8, I will instruct thee and teach thee in the way which thou shalt go, I will guide thee with my night. This is personal, God doing this for you. And he wants to do that for you. It's not just something for the church. It's for me as an individual. He wants to give me stuff from his word. And how important that is. And so, we must seek the Lord in the word. And uh, just by way of introduction, how about let's do this. Let's pray and ask God to bless our time. Father, would you help us to be earnest students of your word? You told us to study to show ourselves approved unto, unto you. Lord, you told us to be eager to get into your word and to be, to be almost impatient in our expectation of what you're going to give to us. So I pray that you would help us, even tonight, just to, to have a greater resolve to d- dive into your word this week, and that our profiting would appear to all, that our profiting would appear to one another in our families, and even here within this church and our workplace as well, Lord. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Last week we dealt with this matter of introducing uh, inductive Bible study. And I'm going to go over the points again and uh, just by way of review. Notice we should observe and then conclude. Observe and then conclude. That's important. So you read through a passage of scripture. You observe different things. What, what can you notice in the text? You observe. You interpret. You apply. And then there's the exhortation and the response. You observe and then conclude. Don't go to the Bible with preconceived notions, right? Now, I know it's in here somewhere. You know, people do that. I've I've talked with people and, you know, I know it's in there somewhere. Like, they don't have an idea. We need to be able to observe and then conclude. We see this pattern in Scripture. We looked last week at Nehemiah 8 and verse number 8. Nehemiah, or Ezra, as he uh, stood up in front of this crowd that has gathered in front of the water gate, they're standing there all day long with with. Men, women, and children that were of the age of understanding, they were standing there all day long listening to the word of God being read distinctly, and he gave them the sense. He, he explained it. He said, this is the definition of this word, and this is what God was meaning to say, and he caused them to understand the reading. How does this apply into your daily life? He read it distinctly. They observed it, and then they they made some observations about it or some, uh, some conclusions about it. And so we see that all through Scripture. We see this pattern of observe, interpret, and then application. That's how you need to approach the Word of God. Observe. Read down through it. Read it distinctly. Take the time to read it. Enjoy the reading of it. Uh, God's Word should always impact us in, in these three ways. Intellectually, it should change our thinking. Emotionally, it should change our heart. Oh, my heart needs to be changed sometimes. Many times you come to the Word of God so frustrated, upset, and you needed the Word of God to settle you down. I've been there. Uh, we're reading through John right now. You talk about some precious passages of Scripture that settle the heart down. John. John 8. And uh, something got a hold of my, uh, my thinking yesterday. I believe it was in John 7 where he, uh, where he says, uh, you either choose to walk in, in darkness or you follow me. And I thought, man, that's just, that's just so clear. I mean, there's, there's, no, there's no confusion about that. You can walk in darkness or you can follow me. Well, I want to walk in the light. <laughs> He's a light of men. He's a light of life. And so uh, it should change our hearts, but it should change us volitionally. It should change our will, our actions. Preaching and devotions that don't uh, affect our actions aren't worth very much. We need to be changing our actions. Where do we go from here with the word of God? What does he want me to do? How should this change me? Uh, if, If the word of God says that the fruit of the spirit is love and joy and peace, if I continue on not walking in the spirit and I don't exhibit joy and peace and love, there's a problem. Boy, I need that. I need that. God's word is always called into question. Even in our day, God's word is being called into question. Ultimately, right now, what is happening in our country is, is we, have, we have diminished God's word and we have upheld man's opinion. And there's only two choices. We either go with God's truth or we go with man's opinion. There is no other choice. And, uh, and isn't this exactly what goes back to uh, the first temptation? Eve, hath God really said... Do you really believe this is the word of God, right? And you know what Satan still does to you and I? Has God really said? Has, is this really relevant for today? Has God really said? And so how important it is to observe the word of God and allow God's word to speak into our hearts. But diving into this, this matter of inductive Bible study, let's um, think about this. One man said it this way, biblical hermeneutics, and there's a word I want to define in a second. Biblical hermeneutics is not a bunch of rules We are making up as we go along. You can find succinct explanation of the rules of hermeneutics in the writings of true old paths preachers like Charles Spurgeon, F.B. Myers, Campbell Morgan, R.A. Torrey, some of the old preachers of the past. And I'm going to ask you before I define it, what is hermeneutics? You said, I didn't come to college tonight. What is hermeneutics? All right. All right, so there's homiletics, and there's herma, hermeneutics. Okay, homiletics, you think of homily, right? What's a homily? You have no idea? Okay, a sermon. There you go, Miss Judy. She's right on. So homiletics is really is the science of presenting the Word of God, all right? The, the, the study of the presenting of the Word of God. Uh, how do you do it? What's the structure of it? How, how do you go about that? hermeneutics is the study of the Word of God, how to study and interpret the Word of God. Okay, So that's a word that's often used. And by the way, there are some places, in fact, the pastor that I grew up with, the college he went to, did not teach hermeneutics. And if you go to Bible college, you ought to be taught hermeneutics or how to study the Word of God. What happens if you don't know how to study the Word of God? What happens to the doctrine you it gets all messed up. In fact, I'm thinking right now of a very popular uh, YouTube preacher that, that did not get hermeneutics, and his, his, his studies of the Word of God are all over the board. It's, just, it's, it's, it's like a bowl of spaghetti because they don't know how to interpret the Word of God. And it matters. It matters a whole lot. There's books on it, and if you want to dive deeper, it sounds really high, but simply we need to know how to study the Word of God. Now, I'm going to give you several different things here that will help you because, listen, you, go, you, go, you uh, go to Matthew chapter number 24 and you begin reading down through there about the end times and you start thinking, oh, what in the world's going on? And do uh, you know it's important that when you're studying in Matthew that you consider the fact that Matthew was written to the Jewish people and that the way... The way that we need to receive that is we need to understand it was coming to the Jewish mind. God has, still has a plan that he's working out for the Jews, doesn't he? And it's going to start back up in the, in the tribulation. So there's a little bit of a, a perspective difference. I, as I'm reading that, I need to understand it's being written to a, a group of people, uh, but it's not necessarily being written to the church. Though we, we look in and we benefit from it, but the original audience the way they received it, and what's their timetable before God is a little bit different than God's timetable for the, for the church. So there's, there's, there are important things to understand when we are dividing down the Bible. Um, if you remember back here a moment ago in 2 Timothy chapter number 2 and verse number 15, study to show thyself approved. Study being eager, uh, having this intense desire to show yourself approved unto God. Well, how do we do that? Rightly dividing the word of truth. What is that? How do you study the Bible? How do you rightly divide it down? And so it's so very, very important that we do that. And so think about this. These rules of hermeneutics, the study, the rules of studying Scripture, you interpret a passage based on the ordinary rules of grammar. Sometimes people will come to me and say, well, you know, the Bible says this, I, I believe it this way, but... Uh, I heard another person that believes it this way, and that's all right. There can be you know, that many uh, you know, interpretations or whatever. Actually, if you read the news, and you read the words in the news, like, or you take a book and you read inside a book, that really has a meaning. There's not two different meanings. It really has a meaning. What was written down there really has a meaning. Words have meanings. And so when sometimes when people come to the Bible, well, that's, that's what you think it means, and that's what you think it Do these words have a meaning? Are you sure? Yeah, they do. And so it behooves us, it moves us to, what is the meaning, what did God mean by putting these words in scripture? Interpret a passage based on the ordinary rules of grammar. Number two, interpret a passage in context of the book, chapter, and paragraph in which it exists. Is that important? Oh yeah, it is. You know, what happens when you go over into Joshua and you just pull out a book and it says, go kill all your enemies. Right? It's important to interpret in context. What is God really saying? Well, God's okay with, you know, going in and taking care of my enemies at work. No, no, no. It's not that way. So you interpret it in context of the book, and that's what I go back to and saying in Matthew chapter number 24. I've seen people get all off in their, in their understanding of the end times because they didn't interpret it According to the context of, of the book. If, if a phrase or a verse is part of a poem or some other literary device, take that into account with your interpretation. So when you're reading in in the in the book of Psalms, there is sometimes where it is using poetic language. You ought to take that into consideration. Um, and so on. And then number four, be careful to discern um, uh, the true meaning of words. A simple word study using, like, a strong concordance can go, on, go a long way. So it's important to understand the, the true meaning of, of words. So in, in the Bible tonight, um, we read the word, and this is an often used one, but the word conversation. Why do I often read that and say then lifestyle? Because that's what, that's what that word in our Bible means, lifestyle. Uh, it's important. So in, in word and conversation, well, why did you say it twice? No, he didn't say it twice. He said in word and in our lifestyle, in our everyday activity. Um, so it's important to look at words. This word, study to show thyself approved. We give, we give kids this word on, uh, on, on notes as they go off to Bible college or off to college or off to school. Study to show yourself approved unto God. So study hard. Well, that's not what the word means. The word actually means, like, give attention to it in the sense of be eager. The word literally means be eager. Have an intense desire for. Well, for what? To show yourself approved unto God. So sometimes we use different um, passages in Scripture, and we haven't done our study on the words, and uh, we don't understand what's, what's actually being said, and they can be taken out of context. So uh, word studies are a great thing. Word studies are a really great thing. And uh, learn how to do them. How many of you know what a Strong's concordance is? All of you, hopefully. Uh, if if you don't have a Strong's concordance, you can probably uh, look that up on online and get uh, uh, get that available. Um, you can order a Strong's concordance probably off of uh, off of um, Amazon. But the Strong's concordance is helpful in looking up words. It has every word, uh, and it's an exhaustive concordance, so it has every word, and it'll give you a definition with it. So. That's very important. So rules of biblical hermeneutics, and I hope that you got those down. Uh, But then, think about this. If there's an apparent contradiction, resolve it uh, by carefully looking at it. So just don't jump to a conclusion. Uh, There is a resolution to these things, and so here's how we would go about that. Um, Look how the subject is first introduced in Scripture, and let's take an illustration tonight. Um, Think about... Abraham. And think about Jacob. Think about David. And think about Solomon. What did these guys have in common? Multiple wives. So, is God for polygamy? I mean, some of these guys, I mean, these guys were used of God, weren't they? Is God for polygamy, Brother Huey? Now, now how, do we, how do we know that? Uh, because, the, I mean... It it seems like it seems like God should have showed up in their life and He should have come down on them right away and you know you have polygamy going on in the the, uh, the Old Testament. It's kind of a weird thing, aren't you? Grateful we don't. Yeah, aren't you grateful? Praise the Lord. <laughs> but where do we where would we go to try to try to see what God meant meant for uh, the the marital relationship to be like? Like what what was that? Genesis, Genesis chapter number one, actually the end of chapter number two, uh, what, what does God help us to understand? That marriage is, what, what was the principle that he laid down in that passage of scripture? One man, one wife. Does God ever condone the polygamy that was going on? <laughs> and it causes all kinds of trouble, doesn't it? You think about, you think about Jacob, I mean... I don't know if he had gray hair or not, but goodness, there was all sorts of trouble that, that that amounted around that. What did God tell the the kings? Specifically, He commanded the kings. Yeah, yes, yeah, yeah. And he didn't do that very well, did he? <laughs> he kind of. It kind of went the other way. But the thing is, when there is an apparent contradiction, the people can find polygamy in Scripture. But the fact is that there, there, is, no, there is no contradiction at all. God's not for it. He, oh, he, he set it out as the first principle that marriage is between one man and one woman, and he said that the, the two shall be one. And then later on in the book of Malachi, he said... Uh, I I don't want them to be divided. uh, He hates divorce, and he wanted them to be um, together for life. And so uh, when there is an apparent contradiction, you can first go on to the place in Scripture where it's first mentioned. Read what God has set down. The principle of first mention in the Scriptures is a very important thing. Um, So it, it helps us understand what is God's heart on this matter. Now, the second thing is to understand... Uh, clear passages of Scripture should help us interpret unclear passages of Scripture. So when something that, uh, confuses you, and I'm going to give you another example, let's go over to let's go over to Mark chapter number 16. I believe I'm leading us to the right place. Mark chapter number 16 tonight. Mark 16. And verse number 16. Could someone read that out loud for, for me tonight? Okay. So uh, the first part of that passage, is, um, that verse. He that believeth and is shall be so... Hold up. So now baptism saves. So I'm saying there, there's, there's, people that get, get confused on this passage of scripture. But I'll tell you what, you can break it down. It's not what it's not what it is is saying. He, the second part. Notice he said he that believeth not. He doesn't. He doesn't include the baptism. But would you not? Would you not agree with me that there is a little bit of a little bit of added confusion in that verse. Would you not agree? And there are people that that go towards baptism being a part of salvation off of this verse. But could you give me tonight a verse of scripture that is clearer than this one? Okay, there's a good one. Where else? Okay, specifically one that deals with the the baptismal issue. Okay, what, what, where is that one? I'm it on. Acts 8, let's go over there really quick. Acts 8 and verse number 37. Because that's a good one. So Brother Steve, that's a really good one um, about the thief on the cross. He wasn't baptized before, before he went. That's a, a tremendous one. But looking for something that's clearer, Acts chapter number 8 and verse number 37. And when someone gets there, can you read, read that for us as well? Okay, so the first, in verse 36, he says, What doth hinder me to be baptized? And Philip says, If thou believest that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. Um, so it's pretty clear there, isn't it? What is the, what is the prerequisite for baptism? Belief, right? Amen. Amen. You're spot on, brother. Also, Acts chapter 2 at Pentecost, right at the beginning of the church. Then they that gladly received his word. What is that gladly receiving? They believed and then they were baptized and then they were added to the church. So you see what what I'm saying is we look for, there are people that go to Mark 16, 16. Boy, that's confusing. And there's other passages of scripture that that are confusing. You compare scripture with scripture. Scripture is its own best commentary. And so we we look for to interpret uh, the unclear passages of scripture with clear passages of scripture. And then also remember this, the Bible was delivered to us in a progressive way. We don't believe that it's continuing in this day. It's it's done, right? We have the completed word of God, but the Bible was laid out progressively. So there are things that are given to us in the book of Acts. Case in point, Acts chapter 6 gives us the ministry of the deacons. But it doesn't say everything about the ministry of the deacons. It doesn't say everything about who should be deacons or what are the qualifications? It doesn't say everything about that. In fact, if we're getting clear about that, it doesn't say everything about how, who a pastor and what a pastor should be, but the epistles do. And so there's continuing revelation from God by inspiration uh, using holy men of God. And he gives us more and more as we go along. So you look further in the word of God. You allow uh, the the progressive revelation to unfold in front of you. And so you look for that. Uh, Is is this resolved? Is the contradiction resolved in progressive revelation? And so we look for that. We look for that. What's the first mention? Uh, Is there another clear passage of scripture that helps clarify this passage of scripture? Is this solved as we go along through the Bible? All right? Do you have those points down? So let's think about this. I'm gonna I'm gonna take this sample inductive Bible study that you have tonight in front of you, and this might be as far as we get, but I want to just walk down through this, this evening. So as you would sit down with a passage of Scripture, what are you going to do? Um, as you're going through the on the Book of John, if you're reading with us in the Book of John, so there's gonna be some study that you want to do about the the background. Who is the author? Uh, why was it written? Uh, can anyone tell me why the book of John in specific was written? Why is the gospel of John written? The gospel. It was specifically written to promote the deity of Jesus Christ. That's why all through the book of John you find all the I am statements in the book of John and it's constantly pr- um, promoting who Jesus Christ is God. the, the, it's different from the rest of the Gospels in that sense. Many of the, the other Gospels, like Mark, is promoting him as a servant and showing the, the servitude, the humility, the, the, the immediate nature of, of, of our Lord uh, in, the, in the book of Mark. And so you have different, different purposes for the book. Why was Philippians written? What's kind of the central theme of Philippians? So there's division there, right? Unity and joy. Unity and joy. Specifically, joy in the book of Philippians. Counting it all joy. Having a always rejoicing in the Lord. And so when you, when you uh, kind of break down a book and begin to realize, well, this is the overall theme of the book, it helps you understand the verses within the book. Does that make sense? So we want to know the background. Uh, who wrote it? Why was it written? Does it help me to know that Acts was written by Luke? Yeah, it does. Uh, he has a certain way of writing. Who wrote it? Well, it helps me understand that Luke was accompanying along and seeing all this stuff and with the Apostle Paul. It does help me a whole lot. It helps me to know that Luke was a medical doctor, he was a physician. It helps me to know that as I read, uh, read through that. God was not quieting that. Learn the historical background, the dates. Does it help me to know that, that, uh, that Paul wrote 1 Timothy and, 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 um, in, in prison? Does it help me to understand that that was the context surrounding the, the time that he wrote that? And he wrote 2 Timothy. It was his last book, and he's writing it and just delivering his heart to, to his son Timothy in the faith. Yes, it does. Um. A lot of times, how many of you use a study Bible? Okay. What are the study Bibles represented here tonight? You use Ryrie. Ryrie. Which one do you use, Miss Sarah? You can find out which one do you use. Dr. Henry Morris. Is that the life application study Bible? That's a good one. So a lot of times in these study Bibles, which one do you have, Miss... Okay, life application. So a lot of times in these study Bibles at the front of books, they have all this information right at the front. The date, the key, the key verse. So when you're going through, right now if you're reading through the book of John, one of the things you ought to do is go back and look at some of that historical context because it'll help you understand it, right? So look at that. You're looking for that, uh, the, the, what's going on around. Now, the Bible is written to two audiences in the sense there was a present audience was receiving that think about the letters to the churches uh, that we were studying on sunday nights there was a a a specific present audience that received that but aren't we the audience as well and so does is there not an understanding of how that audience would have received it what jesus was saying to them and does it not help us to understand how they would have received it understanding in their culture and what's going on so the Bible tells us that, that God has preserved His word to every generation, so yes, it was written to a specific audience, but it's for us right now, and God's preserved His word in this generation. God's revelation is both historical and contemporary. good preaching will be firmly uh, grounded in both eras, understanding the words in their biblical context and applying them uh, today as God intended. that's, that's necessary. so you know you know why a lot of times we go back into what was going on in that it helps us understand it better for our context. so if we understand how they received that word, we can apply it into our lives all the better, and so we want to look for that um, so it 's important to understand that. Uh, now, a lot of times those that are more liberal in uh, looking at the Bible and, and at Christianity and so on remove the modern application. They say, well, it's just all, you know, it's all doctrine. They just teach doctrine and, and, and remove the modern application. The flip side of that is sometimes uh, those that are more fundamental in their in their view can, uh, can actually, not, uh, they get all to application. They remove the historical context. And so, you know what, you do when you do that, you can make the Bible applied to all sorts of things, right? You can make it say things that it doesn't really say. And that's not good. So you need both. You need the historical context and you need the, and the present day application, right? And so we strive, we strive to do that together and we don't want to err on that as, as we want to be very careful about that. But then you can take the word of God. Have you ever written a psalm out and personally paraphrased it to you? I'm not saying in a new translation. <laughs> We're not doing that. I'm saying where you make it personal to you. Have any of you ever done that? It might be a good, uh, a good challenge. Make it as if it is being said straight to you. Personalize it. Personally paraphrase it uh, is a great way of putting it down into your own words as if God is speaking that right to you, using the, uh, uh, putting your name in there, uh, using, uh, using it for you in that way. Uh, questions and answers. Uh, what is the true meaning of words? Repeating, uh, what is the, uh, the repeated themes that I'm seeing in this passage of Scripture? So ask Uh, questions of the text look down through it in that way number four what are some cross references that would help me understand this text even better does the bible validate my understanding in other places so cross reference there is a wonderful wonderful um study bible that helps out with that most how many of you have some cross references down in the middle middle of your bible so use those do you ever i assume you do you look at the cross references um, that's important. I remember a preacher telling me that for every point of, of my preaching, I, I believe it was Ron, uh, Ron Comfort, if some of you remember him, uh, he said for every point of your preaching, you ought to have six backup passages of Scripture that back up that point. And uh, he, he, he challenged me on that, that point. I don't always do that, um, but he challenged me. Uh, Go to the Bible. Let the Bible speak for it, for itself, cross-referencing, finding uh, the Bible, validating itself in other places. Insights. Write, write down your own and read other uh, insights uh, about the passage of Scripture that you're uh, reading. So write down. W- w- what is God saying to you right now? In fact, at the end of each uh, uh, day, in the John study, we've been, uh, that question is asked, what is God saying to you right now? What is God uh, giving you insight about this passage of Scripture? But also, uh, there are commentaries out there that you can use that will help you gain insight about that. One of the Bible uh, commentaries, if you can write this down, you can write this down, uh, the Believer's Bible Commentary is a fantastic commentary uh, that will help you uh, to, uh, to have an understanding and give insight on different passages of Scripture. And it pretty much will go through every, um, every verse in the Bible. The Believer's Bible Commentary or the uh, Bible Knowledge Commentary. These are, these are sets. Um, I think the Bible Knowledge Commentary is a two-set, and the Believer's Bible Commentary is a one-set. Those are great commentaries. And you say, well, sometimes I have a hard time understanding the Bible. It is great to have help uh, and some insight from others. So number five, insights. Or, and then personal application number number six. How does this word, this, the text, how do the words of God affect my life today? How does this change my Monday? Now, sometimes there's a clearer command in there. Well, I understand that. Uh, the Bible says, count it all joy. When you fall into diverse temptations, to different trials, count it all joy. All right, there's a command. So you know what? I'm always to be joyful even when I'm going through a trial. That's a command. I don't like that command all the time. How many of you like that command all the time? No, we don't like that command all the time, but God says to, and I can apply that into my life. But sometimes there's a principle of cause and effect, uh, a principle that God says, this is, this is, this is a, a principle you need to add to your life. Can you think of a principle of cause and effect that we find in Scripture? Okay. Obey and I'll bless you. So if you do this, there you go. Yeah, amen. What uh, What about Galatians? That which is so... Whatsoever you sow, that shall you also reap. There's a cause and effect. Reminds me that what I do today is affecting my tomorrow. Right? And so I'm looking for that. And how can I apply that principle into my my life? The fruit of the Spirit is? Yeah. So if I'm not walking in the Spirit, what happens? I don't produce that fruit. If I am walking in the Spirit, I can expect that there's going to be love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, temperance in my life. Right, cause and effect. Um, what about when the Bible narrates a truce? Think about Eve, Adam and Eve for a moment. They had in their life, they were placed into a beautiful, beautiful garden. There was freedom to walk with God, no God in that great. Oh man, what a what a blessed paradise it was. But they chose to violate his, his commands. They chose to disobey what happened in their life. They came into bondage. You know what? Right away, God teaches us a lesson. Follow his way, there's freedom. Follow your way, go after Satan's way, there's bondage. There's bondage. And they became gripped by the power of sin in their life and they were separated from God. And so there's a truth that's often narrated in Scripture. Uh, What's the truth narrated uh, as we look at the life of Jacob and his family? Polygamy doesn't work right? Uh, doing it your way doesn't work. Uh, and, and so we, we go back to that whole concept. Uh, th- that's one truth. But what, what about another uh, truth in, in uh, Jacob's life? That lying and deceit will come back to bite you. He was deceptive with laymen. Uh, and, and there was all sorts of struggles that came about from that. So you can gain a truth from someone's life by just overviewing their life. What an amazing thing that it is. And so as we persistently are faithful to study the Word of God, oh, it does change us. It changes us a lot. Um, let me just give this last point together, and then I'll, I'll, I'll let us go. Um, thinking inductively as you study God's Word. Remember this, we've learned that the Bible is a story. It's a story, ultimately, of God's redemption. Uh, the Bible is two big parts. What, what are they? The Old Testament and the New Testament. It has very diverse parts. You read it differently in different sections. The way that you read Proverbs is different than the way that you read the Gospel of John. True? It is. So you read it differently. You want to know where you are. The Bible is for ordinary people, not for scholars. The Bible is for ordinary people. It's written to you. Remember what the early translators wanted to do? They wanted to get it in the common tongue. That's what they wanted to do. It's written for ordinary people. And uh, it doesn't mean that, that we don't want to study and uh, grow in our ability to understand the word of God. It doesn't mean that preachers shouldn't, uh, those that are called to preach, shouldn't go to college and learn uh, hermeneutics and homiletics and all those other big words, right? It doesn't mean that, but it does mean that it was written for you. Don't be overwhelmed. Don't allow, don't allow people. And have you ever sat in a service where someone had, like, boy, it felt like, they were speaking so high and you you never could understand it. It's not to overwhelm us. You can understand the word of God. You can. It takes work, but you can. It's for ordinary people. Prayer and desire are your greatest tools. Prayer and desire are your greatest tools. Do you pray before you read God's word? Do you believe that the Holy Spirit lives within you? You have the teacher right inside of you. The Bible is God's word. Ask God and expect him to speak to you. uh, to you through it every time. It's his word, so ask him to speak to you through it. And then the Bible is about who? Jesus. Find him on every page. Work hard to find him on the page. And then when you find him there, uh, glory in him. Uh, You find him in in John chapter number one. In the beginning was a word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. That just ignites my heart because I think as I read the word of God, this this is all about Jesus. This is him. Uh, revealing himself to me, that's beautiful. I want to find Jesus on every page. And it's hard to find him in the text. And so as we bring this down to a a concluding thought, my conviction, as Kevin DeYoung says, uh, born out of experience and derived from the teaching of Scripture itself is that the most effective means of bolstering our confidence in the Bible is to spend time in the Bible. The Holy Spirit is committed to working through the Word God promises to bless the reading and teaching of his word. Sheep will hear their master's voice speaking to them in the word, John 10, 27. In other words, the word of God is more than enough to accomplish the work of God in the people of God. There is no better way to understand and to come in and to embrace a biblical doctrine of scripture than to open the cage and let the scripture out. Get into the word. Ask God to get the word into you. And boy, it is the answer. It's the way that God is working in our lives. The, the struggles that you're facing right now, the answers to them are in the word of God. And sometimes we're, uh, we're like me. Doctor gives me some medicine, and I walk out the door, and I forget all about it for a couple of days. And then, I, and then my wife uh, says after I complain about, you know, I'm not feeling so well. Well, have you been taking your vitamins? You know, sometimes we're like that with the Word of God. We don't get into the Word of God, and the Word of God isn't in us, and no wonder we don't feel so well spiritually, right? Oh, that God would give us a, a desire to study into the Word of God. So I hope some of these things were, are, are practical help to you tonight. The Word of God's perfect, converts a soul. Testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. Boy, I need that. Well, let's pray and ask Him to help us with that tonight. Father, thank you for your beautiful Word and that it is the answer to our life even tonight. And I pray that you would help us to, to be more committed to studying it. And I pray that you would encourage each person here with a study of your word this week, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening today. For more information about Grace Baptist Church, please visit our website at gracebaptistofkettering.org. And remember, you are always welcome at Grace Baptist Church.